All right, thank you everybody for tuning in, making some time tonight. Uh, we're holding tonight Erev Yom Kippur. Uh, it's the 9th of Tishrei, or Tishri, however you want to pronounce it. And this week I decided to do something a little bit different. Typically we do around 40 to 50 minutes of our analysis on the Sidur and the history of Tefillah. And we're actually holding by Atachon Antanu and, and the Seder of the Motzei Shabbat and all the Minhagim of the Arvit of Motzei Shabbat. But this week I decided to take a break from that because, you know, this year is already Erev Kippur. People don't have as much time to sit through all of that. And sometimes it's good to take a break. So tonight's topic we're going to do is just a short... Uh, uh, study or review of Teshuvah and of the ideas of Teshuvah because tonight you know we're holding in the Aseret Yimei Teshuvah it is a time which is expected of us to make an effort in Teshuvah and to exert ourselves in the Aseret Yimei Teshuvah before Yom Kippur and so I wanted to share some thoughts on Teshuvah uh, both a review of the history of, of uh, the ideas of Teshuvah, as well as some more original approaches, which I've been reading recently from uh, Rabbi Steinsaltz, Rabbi Adin Steinsaltz, Allah Shalom. Here's uh, his book, uh, Change and Renewal. It's a very beautiful book. And he has some really inspirational, revolutionary ideas that I wanted to share uh, regarding Teshuvah. So let's begin um, with the typical understanding of tshuva. So typically, when uh, Jewish people speak about tshuva, they see it as a way to atone for sin, meaning that you have, you have what we call chet, or you will have chataim, and the response to in the chet or the this, the response to those chataim. Sorry, I'm just going to mute upon entry here. Um, Let's just, can I mute? I'm going to be muting people, sorry, just for the reverb. So typically the understanding of Teshuvah is that when a Jewish person finds himself in sin or he has chataim, Teshuvah is a response to chet. That's one uh, typical mode of thinking and when people say the word Teshuvah to what they, to what they mean. There's another mode of thinking which people have when they say the word Teshuvah, which is that it's a path to achieve some sort of, you know, ethical self-improvement that everyone wants to become. They want to uh, uh, self-actualize, become the best person they can be, and realize their, their full potential. And therefore, there's this other view of Teshuvah that it has some sort of ethical uh, construct to it in where everyone's trying to become a better person. So both of these are correct and valid ideas, and they're important ideas for Teshuvah, especially before Yom Kippur. But if we look at the, the Torah itself, and we look at the Rishonim, we will find many, many aspects, many different viewpoints and dimensions to Teshuvah. So it all begins in Parashat Nitzavim, Parak Lamed, the, 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 I don't know, what's the second or third parak of that parasha. And the parak begins with a nevuah of Moshe Rabbeinu, v'haya ki alecha kol ha'devrim ha'ele, Moshe Rabbeinu is telling the Jewish people, 
when you get to Eretz Yisrael and all these these things fall upon you, the, the blessings and the curse, and you shall take them to heart, and you will return to uh, Hashem, your God. And further, uh, that Hashem will restore, uh, Hashem will restore your, your dwelling and your fortunes, and He'll have mercy on you. He'll bring you together and gather you. Uh, and I could go on and on. Many of the Pasukim here in Paraklamid speak about the return to Hashem, of this idea of Teshuvah. However, you will again return and, and, and obey and heed the words of Hashem and listen to Him, etc. The, the Torah, as far as I understand, the Torah itself never uses the word Teshuvah, as far as I could see, it doesn't. However, the, the language of the Mishnah, the language of the Gemara is very clearly uh, Teshuvah. And it comes from these Pesukim that we have to return to Hashem and Hashem will return uh, to us. Now, there is a debate in the Rishonim, and this is more of a, what we call an academic debate, right? A Yeshivasha Pilpal, as to what the actual mitzvah of teshuvah is. Like, is it a real mitzvah? Is it something that you have an obligation to legally, halachically? Um, or is there some other construct for teshuvah? Is teshuvah some part of some other mitzvah? So on the pasuk of ki ha-mitzvah hazot, pasuk yural of ki ha-mitzvah hazot asher nochi mitzvah hayom, surely this instruction which I uh, put upon you today, it is not too uh, far from you and it is not distant from you. So the Ramban famously understands that this mitzvah means teshuvah, that there's an actual commandment from Hashem to return after we have sinned, which is an unusual form of mitzvah, that it only exists if you've already done chet, that then you should... Um, you should have a mitzvah of doing teshuvah. That's one way of understanding it, which the Rishonim uh, suggests. The Rambam, however, famously wrote the Hilchot Teshuvah. And in his uh, section of Mishnah Torah called Hilchot Teshuvah, he proposes a different construct. In his way of thinking, the mitzvah of teshuvah does not actually exist from a legal standpoint. You don't have a halacha called teshuvah. The only, the only halacha related to, to teshuvah is the, the halacha vidoy, that a person has to confess his sins before Hashem. He brings this from the, from the Pesukim, and this is his uh, halachic understanding. The, the details of it are not, are not as important for right now. And then there's different discussion in the Achronim exactly how the Rambam understands teshuvah. Is it a part of the mitzvah of Ahavat Hashem? Perhaps it is a part of the mitzvah of, of vidoy. It's like a, a branch of the mitzvah. However, that's how the Rambam sees it. It, it's the the halachot of of um, of teshuvah that are in the Mishnah Torah are absolutely fascinating. The Ramban in his praise of the Rambam uh, does mention like what kind of mind it takes to gather together the ideas of teshuvah from all over Shas and 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 all over uh, Agadah and Midrash and Mishnah and to compile them into one easy to read uh, halachic. Uh, source and compendium. So the Rambam is a very sought-after, very uh, often cited uh, source when it comes to the uh, ideas of Teshuvah. 
And many see that this idea of the Rambam, that vidui is, is the core mitzvah, to be very important. And it's surprising because, you know, our religion is not one that really uh, typically speaks about confession as like one of those main parts of our theology. Confession isn't like the be-all and end-all. But some of the Jewish thinkers of the last century have thought about this idea that confession can, vidui can be very important. And you hear this from Rosh Hashivas all over. That Vidoy allows people to articulate, verbalize, and actualize and make it feel real that what you did is actually real. When we actually confess our, our sins, especially daily, if you do the Vidoy daily or if you do it on Yom Kippur, and you go through that long list of Rabbeinu Nisim or all of those lists, it actually has a way of breaking through the cloudiness and the nonverbal, uh, only subconscious or conscious ideas of doing Teshuvah. When you actually have to speak them out, it's a lot more effective, as anybody who would have gone to therapy will know, it's much more effective to speak about something and it's much more liberating and a lot more effective than just thinking about them alone. So this is possibly one reason why Vidoy is so stressed uh, by the Torah, because a person has to, uh, you know, has to get real with his path towards repentance, or what we would call today, uh, if, you, if you're understanding Teshuvah as a way to atone for sin, what we would call uh, repentance. So the Rambam, many have described what the Rambam did to, to so many have described it as halachic teshuvah. The Rambam's method of approaching teshuvah here in Mishnah Torah, which is a work of halacha, is not very theological. It does contain a lot of theology, but at its core, the Rambam is here to teach us halacha. And in the Rambam's construct, the Rambam has four major elements to Teshuvah that everybody has to remember. This is very famous from Perak Bet, Halacha Bet, in Hilchot Teshuvah. And the Ramam says as follows, let me just read the language, Umahi HaTeshuvah, the Ramam here is to define Teshuvah for us. Firstly, that a person should uh, refrain or distance himself uh, from the sin, and get it out of his mind, and he also has to accept not to do it again. And he should also have charata, right? He should have remorse for what he did. That I felt differently after I returned. And so much so that Hashem would be able to witness, to, to bear testimony that if this person were given the challenge, he would never do it again. As the Pasuk says, And lastly, And lastly, a person has to do vidui or confession. The Rambam also says that a full teshuvah is proven by a, that a person has done real teshuvah. If he gets that opportunity again to do the sin and he overcomes the sin. That's a real concrete, solid teshuvah. When a person is confronted with the same sin again, whether it is to speak Lashon Hara about that, you know, about that incident again, and he doesn't do it. And then afterwards, the Rambam cites a Gemara and he says that besides for the halachic aspects there are to teshuvah, there's also midarke hatshuva. I believe this is citing one of the Moraim, who says that tzoek uh, tami, the person who who constantly should cry out, bivchi to cry, b'tachanunim and to pray, ve'oset zedaka kifikacho, and he does as much zedaka as he can, u'mitarachek habe min hadavar shechatabo, and he stays very exceedingly far from the thing which he sinned, u'mishanesh shemo, and he changes his name, so to speak, which is an expression. 
So there's, besides the halachic components to Teshuvah, the Rambam alludes to a Gemara which expands on that and says that there's more than just the halachic components of Teshuvah, but Teshuvah is very subjective and Teshuvah can have more avodah, more serious work and personal uh, transformation, which will uh, make it more effective for each person according to his own way. So the truth about this, these four components of Teshuvah, now not everybody agrees that it's precisely four, but roughly four components of Teshuvah of the Rambam, which are Azibat HaChet, uh, Kabbalah LaCharata, uh, Kabbalah LaHatid, and Vidoy, are very much attributed to the Rambam. But the truth is that they are probably sourced, the Rambam probably sourced these ideas from Sadia Gaon. Sadia Gaon was a great uh, Gaon of the Yeshiva in Bavel, and he was hired from Cairo, he was Egyptian, and he would like the Rambam about 150 years before, he was also a great philosopher and he wrote in Arabic like the Rambam did uh, his works of philosophy. And in, in his work, Emunot V'deot, which is also written in Arabic, in Perak Hey Halacha Hey, not Halacha, well, well section Hey, he also says exactly the same thing in Arabic. He says there are four uh, el, component, main components to Teshuvah. The only difference here is that instead of saying Lehitvadot, he says Levakesh Mechila, that a person should ask Mechila. So it's not clear if the Rambam got a little more halachic if he disagrees with the Fasad Yagon, but it's, it's, most people assume that the Rambam, that this is not actually the Rambam's invention, it's really something he borrowed from Fasad Yagon because he doesn't usually cite his sources in the Mishnah Torah. Fasad Yagon also says this in his Sidur. In the Halachot of Yom Kippurim, he does mention this, this this idea. Now, what's interesting about this is that the Chovot Halavavot is one another one of the Rishonim who speaks a lot about Teshuvah, and we have the Sharei Teshuvah from Rabbi Yona. They might agree with the Rambam halachically, but they expound on it greatly. For example, the Chovot Halavavot does agree that there's four major components to Teshuvah, but he also lists seven prerequisites, and he lists the four, de- uh, the four components of the Rambam, and then he lists 20 details to those components, five for each, for each one of these components, five details for Azibat HaChet, five for Charata, five for Kabbalah five for Vidui. And if you look at, um, if you look at, uh, for example, uh, the Sharei Teshuvah from Rabbeinu Yonah, which is one, uh, one of his books from his set uh, of, of Sfarim, in his Shari Teshuvah, he has no less than 20 steps for Teshuvah. So Rabbeinu Yonah, took, Rabbeinu Yonah took Teshuvah very seriously. He says, no, there's 20 steps to Teshuvah, not four. So while all this is really nice, um, much of that work that the Rishonim did, whether it's the Me'iri or, or Rabbeinu Bachia or Rabbeinu Yonah, it, it's very likely that in their eyes, much of this is really theoretical and theological because I have never met a person who sat down with a Chavot HaLevavot and uh, took a checkbox and said, okay, did I do this one? Did I do that one? Did I do this one? Did I do that one? Much of it, much of that discussion is on the details of how your Azibat HaChet should work or how your Charata should be and how deep it should be. It's a very nice guide. It's very good for Musar. But when it comes to practical usage, I find personally that uh, the usage of these guides for Teshuvah is, is quite rare when it comes to practical, uh, a practical sense. One could argue that they're used for Musar, and people study them and review them and review them. But when it comes to actually taking out a checkbox and making sure you did every single one of these 20 different steps, I, I don't know how, how practical all of that has ever been. 
So the reason, uh, the main idea I want to focus on tonight is the development of tissue that progressed a little bit later, uh, after the time of the Rishonim. And that is in the more modern ideas, the more the last 500 years or so of Teshuvah and how those developed. So if you look around many of the Sifrei Musar, which are not, you know, typically Sifrei Kabbalah, like the Tomer Devorah from the, from, uh, from the Ramak, many of the Sifrei of Musar tend to gravitate towards this idea. And it might be an idea from Hasidut, which is that today, Teshuvah should be understood a little bit differently than we typically understand the word. So we just dealt with the Rishonim who gave us a halachic framework and they gave us many, many different steps. But let's look at the word itself. What does Teshuvah mean? The original way of understanding the word Teshuvah means to return. But to return to what? The Rishonim understood it as returning to the way of Hashem, returning to Avodat Hashem. But the later thinkers, the later Jewish thinkers, many of them understood it as in a more radical sense, meaning exactly as the Pasuk says, not that you're returning to the way of Hashem, but you're returning to Hashem himself. And what I mean by that is that there's this idea, right? The Pasuk says, let me just take this, uh, what is the language here? V'shavta ad Hashem alokecha, and you should return to Hashem your God. The idea here is that every person originally had a neshama and shemayim. Every person had a soul which was exceedingly pure. However, by doing sin, by doing chata'im, we grow distant from Hashem. And we can feel that distance. And by doing teshuvah, we try to atone for our sins. We try to have a charata. We try to repent and wipe away those sins. And by wiping away all those sins and by doing extra mitzvot, we thereby get closer to Hashem, and we feel closer to Hashem. And when we return, we're not returning just to the way of Hashem, but we're returning to Hashem Himself. It is on this point, on this more radical uh, idea that you're returning to Hashem Himself, that Steinsalz takes issue. And the he takes issue with this for a number of reasons. First of all, no one really feels that. You ask the typical, the average Joe on the street, do you feel like you used to be near the divine? Do you feel like, you know, your, your true place was near Hashem and ever since that, then you've been a fish out of water? I mean, typically most people on the street don't, don't really feel that way. Most people don't feel like they've been cut off from the Shekhinah. They've never felt the Shekhinah to begin with. It's a very hard thing for people to say that when they're doing Teshuvah, they're trying to return to something so lofty, to Hashem. Furthermore, there's two very fundamental problems with understanding the understanding of Teshuvah as, a, as a, an instrument to atone for sin, meaning as just an instrument of repentance. And why is that? Why are there problems with it? Two problems. One is the Gemara in Nidarim. The Gemara in Nidarim famously says, Amar, uh, where am I going to find this here? There were seven things that were created before the world was created. Eluhain, and these are they. Torah, Teshuvah, Gan Eden, Gehenon, Kisei HaKavod, Beit HaMikdash, Ushmol Mashiach. Seven things. In that list is Teshuvah. So if we understand Teshuvah as merely an instrument to atone for our sins, then how could Teshuvah exist before 
humankind and mankind exists, before even the idea of sin exists. This was before Adam HaRishon himself was created and before he even had Bechira, well, the, you know, the opportunity to do a sin. So we can't understand Teshuvah as merely an instrument to atone for sin. Secondly, there is a Zohar in Raya Mehemna, which says that in the world to come, the tzaddikim gimurim, the complete, purest, greatest tzaddikim, will be zocha, will merit to do teshuvah, to be balei teshuvah. This is astounding. People who have no sin will be zocha, will merit to have teshuvah. How could you say people that have no sin are going to merit to teshuvah? This, this zohar, is, the terminology comes from another place where it says, b'makom shebalei teshuvah omdin, en tzaddikim kumorim omdin which typically means that, okay, a place where a person who has previously sinned can stand and withstand, really, to withstand sin, a, real, a full tzaddik cannot withstand the same sin because of the Baal Teshuvah is stronger. But this is also taken literally, it seems, by the, at least by the Alter Rebbe. He takes this to mean literally that a Baal Teshuvah is on a higher level, is literally on a higher level, stands, not withstand, the place where Baal Teshuvah stands is higher than a, than a Tzadik Gamor, meaning that there's a level higher than Tzadik Gamor, and that is called Baalei Teshuvah, someone even higher than someone who is perfect, who has ever, never, ever been uh, related to sin. So this mere idea that Teshuvah is divorced from sin is what our science also approaches. And to... Describe his approach, I think, to make it the most, uh, most easily understandable is probably best with the mashal, right? Another point, by the way, just now that I'm thinking before the mashal, he says that it's also the, this, this older idea of sin, of teshuvah, also makes it very difficult to affect positive and permanent change. I mean, we do find ourselves every Yom Kippur with many of the same averot we had the year before, so perhaps this lofty idea of Teshuvah that we mentioned earlier might not actually be uh, the essence of Teshuvah. So to explain his approach, let's take a simple idea. And that is to say that Teshuvah is like, that to say that Teshuvah is for Chet is like saying that running is for exercise. To say that running is for exercise is a very deceptive statement because although it's valid, it is not completely true. Running is not something you do only for exercise. It is something that you do as a human. And running is something that you can do as a human. Could it be used for exercise? Yes, but that doesn't define running. Running isn't only something which is done for exercise. And as a matter of fact, running is a pretty complicated skill to master. Anybody who really knows how to run, they have to learn how to posture, they have to learn how to breathe, they have to learn how to dress, they have to learn how to hydrate, they have to learn how to land their feet. And if one doesn't learn to do running well, then they're not going to enjoy running. For example, you might gain weight, feel fat, and then you're going to say, you know what, I have to run until I lose that weight. I'm going to run and run and run until I lose that weight. And then once I lose the weight, I'm going to stop running because I don't like it. But the people who actually really know how to run, they love running. They, they cannot live another day without running. They are literally addicted to running. Real, really trained runners love and are addicted to running. It's something they need every day, not just for their physical health, but also for their mental health. The same is true for teshuvah. 
if you don't do it well, you don't understand the essence of Teshuvah and how to do it and what it actually is, it's not going to be enjoyable. We're going to come to every single Elul and we're going to find ourselves with the same shortcomings that we had the year before and we're going to want to improve. So we're going to do all this Teshuvah, we're going to work really, really hard and we're not going to enjoy it and we're going to get to Yom Kippur, we're going to cry our hearts out and then after Yom Kippur we're going to feel all clean and then the next year we're going to continue, uh, you know, wash and rinse and repeat. So we're just going to find ourselves in the same place if we don't understand how to do Teshuvah in a way which is enjoyable, in a way which is relatable, in a way which is going to addict us to doing it every single day. So his idea of Teshuvah as to what it is in its essence is the, is the exact opposite of the modern understanding, the, the typical understanding of Teshuvah. When, when, it, when what we said before was that the understanding of Teshuvah is that primarily we should find ourselves returning to Hashem. Rather than dis, uh, describing Teshuvah as returning to Hashem, Rabbi Steinzal, with all of his Chabad Hasidus and all of his background, defines it as the opposite. He defines it as returning to ourselves. Not returning to Hashem, not doing more misvot, not abstaining from sin. The essence of Teshuvah is the act of returning to ourselves and returning to our own neshama, which itself is a, is a radiation of the Shekhinah. So let's explain what that means, just to, 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 to flesh this out and elaborate a little, a little further. Because this is a deep, kind of a deeper idea. In every, almost every major religion, there's this idea which the mystics and the philosophers and the theologians all boil down to. Because the wise men of every culture, almost every culture, not every culture is so wise, have realized the basic truth. And that is that when we are born, we are born with a spiritual blank slate. And in some religions, they will call that the self, like in Buddhism, or you'll call that the ego if you're Freud. And, uh, you know, you can call it the nefesh, of course, if you're a Jew. And when we're born, that blank slate, which is our nefesh, is, again, uh, your first mode of consciousness. And... What happens when you're born is that you are a spiritual being in a new material world and you have to make sense of all the stimulus and all the ideas and all the things around you. So slowly and surely, you try to make sense of all of them. And typically the way we do that is through constructs and pattern recognition. And we try to build a sense of self with all the stories that we might be able to come up with. So you can say, for example, I look this way, so I'm a boy. That, per, that, that, uh, that uh, woman, she is my mother. I am, like, you, you make a copy. You say, I am a yeshiva boy. I am, a, you know, a Jewish boy. You start to take these labels, or you could say, I am a tall kid. I am a short kid. And you could take these labels, and they can help you understand, by making these constructs, who you are and this sense of self that you have. But as many uh, religious thinkers have uh, assumed most of these constructs are only just that. They are constructs. They are stories that we tell ourselves in order to make a sense of the chaotic world around us. These are all things that you could call the, you know, the external self, which don't have any real reality. We just, we just hope that they do. We think that they do. So in the Jewish way of thinking, you have this nefesh, and the nefesh might be powered by the neshama, which is higher than it. So true, you might have this blank slate, but it doesn't mean everyone was born equal. Your neshama might have certain strengths and weaknesses, certain proclivities, certain predilections. 
And your neshama has its own soul powers and its own way, you know, its own very deep personality. And deep inside you, there is something that's nonverbal, something which uh, you don't really speak to with words, that calls itself me. And that, in essence, deep down, is your nefesh, which starts off with a blank slate. So, yes, a person might be, let's say, uh, a shoemaker, a tailor. But is that what he is? Does that define who he is? No. That's the, the, the title shoemaker or Jewish man or Jewish woman is something you typically give yourself to describe yourself and to try to make sense. It's a shame. It's a label that we give ourselves to try to make sense of what, why we do what we do, why we do what we do when we get up in the morning, how to describe how we look and how we dress. All of these things are constructs. So if we are aware that deep down, Underneath all of the stories we tell ourselves, there is a nefesh and there is a neshama. We can relate and begin to listen to it and hear it and feel its pushes and pulls, and we can tap into the shekhinah within us. So the idea here is that we can't speak to that thing inside of you which calls itself me, right? That thought, the, the, the witness, the, the thing inside of your brain which calls itself me, you can't really talk to it with words, but you could listen, you could feel for it, and you can listen to it and try to listen to that pull or that push or that proclivity and you will feel inside of you something which is actually pure, something which actually has Shekhinah, which comes from the divine. So let's take an example. You could have a businessman or, uh, you know, who in his line of business, something which is always done, which is dishonest. You know, he's, he works in New York real estate. This is commercial real estate. And uh, he wants to do something which is, let's be real, dishonest. But um, what's his excuse for that? Well, I'm a real estate broker. This is New York commercial real estate, and this is just what's done. But if he could stop and he could meditate and he can or have a friend mentor him and tell him it, tell it him straight, the truth is not what he wants to hear. The truth is that he is a person, a person that matters, who is doing something wrong to another person. There are certain elemental truths here, which we know if we would just unwrite all the stories we say that, no, well, he paid me this amount of money, he did that amount of money, and, you know, this is what they expect, and this is how it's supposed to be, and this is in commercial real estate, this is really kind of how you do it. But deep down, if we stop and we stop listening to all the constructs and the stories that we tell ourselves, we know these fundamental truths. No, I, I, I'm not a real estate broker, I'm an ashama. I'm a person, and I know that this course of action is wronging another person, and I shouldn't do this. Sometimes you have to break away from all of these constructs and rewrite and un unobfuscate all these stories that we tell ourselves in order to actually be ready to become more of our true selves and actually respond to our, our realer or our more, sorry, our more real um, and more uh, authentic goodness and more authentic Shekhinah, which is deeper inside of us. You could have another, let's take another example from impulses, right? A person could be on his couch and he could, you know, everyone loves being on their couch. No one wants to get off their couch. And you could realize, oh no, it's the time that the rabbi is giving a shear. Or you could be scrolling on through the news and you realize, oh wow, there's a missing child. Maybe I should go uh, look, maybe I should help the search party or maybe I should go to the shear. And you might think to yourself that uh, wait, but yeah, it's free. It's very cold outside. It's freezing. Or you'll tell yourself, I'm not really the kind of person who does this, this. I'm not the kind of person who goes to these search, to these meetings. I'm not the kind of person who does these volunteers. I'm not the kind of person who will, 
you know, there's enough people at the shear, there's enough people at the search. I don't really, you know, I don't really need to go. The truth is, your first instinct was really you. That first instinct was you had an ignition inside of you of chesed. You have the ability to act on it. And everything that comes after that is really a bunch of constructs and stories that are getting in your way of actually actualizing what you can are actually capable of doing. Somebody might have, uh, and this also relates to shame. People have anger issues. They, they can have depression, anxiety, marriage issues, alcohol issues, gambling issues, whatever it is. And they might know that they could go to therapy and work it out. Yeah, that's for sure. But there's a certain shame of being a person that needs therapy. That's a story that we write about people. That's a construct that we have. And that very much gets in the way of the fundamental truth, which is that you're a person who is hurting and needs to heal. You're a person who has flaws. And if therapy can work for you and should work for you, you should go. And that listening to those very, very core truths and those very core positive impulses inside of you are the essence of Teshuvah, returning to your true neshama, listening out for who you actually truly are. And he says, he spells this out in a, mu in a much more radical way than I would, have ever, I would have ever written myself. He says that Teshuvah doesn't always mean becoming more religious. It doesn't always mean avoiding hate. It doesn't always mean doing more mitzvot. Yeah, you could decide to wear skirts instead of pants. You could decide to remember to daven and say brachach more. You could, you, could, you could remember to speak less lashon aran to give more tzedakah. But Teshuvah doesn't begin with the external. It doesn't begin with all these external actions of trying to make a change and do better. It begins with the internal. Its essence entails striving to be more you and to reach more of your potential and to listen to yourself and to actualize and renew that koach of neshama that you have, to stimulate the power of the neshama that you have deep inside of you and to take those initial impulses and actually actualize them and take those powers and really um, animate that Shekhinah. There's a story that he mentions, which they, they say the story about every single Rebbe, like Rav Zusha of Anapoli, that with Reveli, he's the brother of Rebbe Melech Lezinsk, and he says that when I get to Shemayim, I'm not afraid that they're going to ask me why wasn't, what, uh, why wasn't I the Rebbe of Rebbe Melech. I'll never be the Rebbe of Rebbe Melech, but I'm afraid that when I get to Shemayim, they're going to ask me why weren't you Zusha? Why weren't you... How did you never become who you could have been? So, some might contend that despite this beautiful idea, um, you know, saying that let's just be me is, uh, you know, this is, this is who I am, can be an excuse for all sorts of villainy. You know, a person can say, what, I'm an angry boss, you know, that's just who I am. Uh, I let loose on people, or, you know, I am a very nervous person, or I'm a very, you know, all, all sorts of negative things could be excused by saying, yeah, this is just who I am. So how do you, dif how do you make this distinction between feeling like this is just who I am and getting down to the core of what your neshama is and who you actually are and what you're capable of? So th this is a very simple litmus test, and that is, does the action you choose after listening to your impulses, does that action lead you to Naveira or does it lead you to a mitzvah? Does that action make you more connected to the people around you or does it make you less connected? Does that action make you more connected to Hashem or less connected? All you have to do is look at the resulting action. If the resulting action is negative, then you're going to know without a shadow of a doubt that that action is not the true you. And that action is not actually um, a... That that action is not a part of your core uh, neshama, which is kadosh, rather it is 
a uh, construct or a negative attribute which you have to wipe away, which came after the um, the holiness, which was this blank slate that you began with, this nefesh that you began with. I heard from Rav Cook. I didn't find this inside, but on his um, if, I, sorry, sorry, I just have to swipe that away for the moment. Okay, bye, Tzvi. Good to um, hope that everything is all right. So the I heard from Rav Cook from his, one of his farim on Teshuvah that he said that to explain that we could use this idea, Rav Cook also borrows, um, sorry, uh, doesn't borrow, but Rav Cook also harps on this idea that Teshuvah means to return to oneself. And he explains the Pasuk in Breshit, when Adam HaRishon was, uh, ran out of Gan Eden, sorry, he didn't run out of Gan Eden, when he, when he hid in Gan Eden, it says in the Pasuk, Ve'ekra Hashem el ha'adam ve'yomed lo ayeka. Hashem said, where are you? After the very first sin that we have recorded in mankind, the first question Hashem asks Adam HaRishon is, where are you? Search for yourself. It's not like Hashem needs to know where Adam HaRishon is. Hashem knows where Adam HaRishon is. He's the, all, the all-knowing being. When Hashem is asked, telling uh, Adam HaRishon, Ayeka, where are you? He's asking him to find himself. Adam HaRishon didn't recognize the neshama that he started with. He didn't recognize this idea that he didn't, he didn't you know, he, he lost, he disconnected from his original purity and from the original blank slate of his neshama and his nefesh. Ayeka is the key to teshuvah. Where are you? Can you find who you actually are and what you are actually capable of? And to begin teshuvah with uh, Ayeka. So this um, idea also explains the pasuk, which says in the same parak in Varim, V'hadavar, let me just do it, V'lo b'ashamayni lemor mi'aleh lanu ha'shamayim v'ikachena lanu v'ishmeyna tovenasena. This commandment of Teshuvah is not in the heavens. Who's going to say who can go up to the heaven and get it for us? Meaning that Teshuvah doesn't mean getting closer to Hashem. V'lo me'ever la'yam hu lemor mi'avor lanu e'ver yam v'ikachena lanu v'ishmeyna tovenasena. No, it's not from across the sea. Ki karov e'lecha hadavar me'od b'fichal b'vavecha la'soto. This thing is very close to you in your mouth with vidui and in your heart with meditation to recognize it and to do it. Teshuvah is right here. Teshuvah doesn't mean striving to, to get on a rocket ship and go to the heavens and be near Hashem. Teshuvah is right here. We only have to stop and meditate and listen and try to reconnect with who we actually are to begin with Teshuvah. And this approach, again, uh, he uses this to, to circle back to his original two questions, which were from the Raya Mehemna and from the Gemara Nidarim. First of all, yes, Teshuvah is a, from a spiritual level, is the ability of the soul to renew itself and the ability of the soul to affect change and to uh, regenerate and to reboot. And that power of Teshuvah was created at the same time that the souls were created. And the souls were created before the world was created. Therefore, Yes, Teshuvah was created before the world was created because Teshuvah is a latent power in your soul. It is not just the atonement of sins. Teshuvah is a power that each person has in their neshama, which was put there from Sheshet Yimei From sorry, before Sheshet Yimei Bereshit. Next, the, the Tzadikim Gimurim, Latid Lavo, right? The, the greatest uh, Tzadikim who have no sin, Latid Lavo, will be able to reach an even greater level of their neshama. The greatest level of their neshama is to reach that level prior to, to Briyat HaOlam, that, uh, that's a Zohar, so whatever this means, that their neshamot can regenerate, reboot, and begin at that highest, purest level of returning to, uh, 
to its initial state before Biat Olam. So I saw this, this, this work from Rabbi Steinsaltz, it's really beautiful. I find it to be a very powerful way to begin the Avodah Yamim Noraim, that it isn't something that we just do once a year. This is a thing that we should be able to do every single day of our lives. If you, tra- if you train yourself to listen in this way and you train yourself to work on it in this way, this is something that not only do you want to do every day, this is something that you'll be addicted to doing every day. This stopping and meditating and trying to listen through all of those constructs and to listen through all of the silliness. Sometimes it requires a friend, sometimes it requires meditation, sometimes it requires all sorts of activities. But this practice of doing Teshuvah in this way is really a powerful way. This is not something that we just do in Yom Kippur, not something that we would just do on the Sereti Mei Teshuvah. This is something we will always do. And we can approach Yom Kippur with the humility that to admit we're not reaching our full potential. Yes, you have, uh, we have so many different angles and dimensions of understanding Teshuvah, many which are probably more accurate than what I'm saying today. You have the ideas of Vidoy and of Acharata and Azivat Achet, and we have all of the, the methods spelled out by Rabbeinu Bachyan, Rabbeinu Yonah, and it's very worthwhile to learn these Svarim. But at its core, Teshuvah does not begin with the external service. At its core, Teshuvah begins internally between us, ourselves, alone in our neshama, and with Hashem. So with that, I'll leave you all. Sorry if uh, it took a little longer than I expected it to. <laughs> I did want this to be less than 40 minutes. But um, I hope, I wish everybody has a Gemar Hatima Tova, and we will continue in, I guess, two weeks after the Yamim Tovim. So thank you everybody for coming, and I'll end the recording uh,